What's Happening? Welcome to Season 3 of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode, and we have a whole new set of poets and are still focusing on what it means to be Black, British and a poet or spoken word artist. If you are interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves, then join us and keep listening. Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Yo, 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 we're back in the mix for another episode of Apples and Snakes podcast. Uh, my name is Yomi Shode. I am your host and it's an absolute pleasure to be speaking with a guest for today's episode. And the last time I was in a mix with our guest, it was a jaw dance event. It was Excel. I was hosting alongside Kat Francois and... It was a big one. It was a big, it was a big event where we had London poets and we invited poets from Manchester representing Young Identity. And this one poet was not playing no games. And I was like, if there was a sense of competition in the air, this person right here is looking to win it all. And it's an absolute, Absolute pleasure on a much calmer level to be speaking with PA Bites right now. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great, Yomi. I'm actually <laughs> so excited to be speaking with you. Like last time we chatted, I was like, oh, does he not like me? Because I kind of shouted at you. <laughs> I was like, it's PA Bites. Because you said it wrong. And you were just like, oh, sorry. Yeah, it's PA Bites. <laughs> And afterwards, I was like, that was a bit aggressive, Harriet. Where did that come from? Do you know the thing? And the thing is, that was a point that I sensed, yeah, this is energy. Because if you're going (laughs) to say it, you better say it right. Do you know what I mean? This is is, is how you say it. And the thing is, I think with that that same passion, um, as joke as it was, with that same passion, you brought everything on stage. And you, and you left you. nothing spare. You was just like, all right, cool. I'm gonna come and collect, and I'm gone. And that's and that's <laughs> and you know, and that was like a real entry point to just knowing a bit more about you. Do you see what I mean? And 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 without sounding like some old fart in this dance type thing, like it's 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 just awesome to 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 know you're under the guidance of of Shirley May was awesome. But at the same time, Shirley's like, listen, they put them poets there, they're on their own. This is on two feet. Watch them. I don't even need to say nothing else. Just watch what they're gonna do. And I look forward to getting into all of that. But the priority I feel in terms of this discussion and this conversation is you. A hundred percent you. And um it's a pleasure. I, I am really, really keen to just know a bit more about you. And I'm just like, all right, cool. How do we go into this? And I think the best way to kick into this is in relation to you. How would you best describe you and your work for folks who have zero idea as to who you are or how to address you in terms of name? How, 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 yeah. How, where do we start? Where do we start? Well, PA Bites is my alter ego. My actual full name is Princess Ariola Debita, um, a Nigerian and Jamaican woman mm. who lives in Manchester slash is from Manchester. Sometimes I feel weird with the diaspora thing, like, mm. am I actually a Mancunian? But I can happily um, say with chest that I'm Nigerian and Jamaican. Mm. So let's start from there. And I feel really connected to Northern culture in Manchester. Um, PE Bites is my initials, just broken down. Um, and that alter ego comes from like the most feminist and black liberation side of me. A lot of my work is like surreal, really vulnerable, mystical, um, in- incorporates aspects of the divinity and um, African spirituality. And it just likes to explore my subconscious really. Like whatever's bothering me or what I've been noticing in society that has been bothering me, that's usually what I write about. Or even conversations. A lot of my poems actually are inspired by conversations I've had with people. Um, 
talk, just staying on alter egos for a bit. I was having, I was having um, a conversation with Anthony Joseph, and he he kind of thought back to his younger years, and he talked about, yo, if I, if I could have kind of just like created an alter ego, so to speak, and even though this was more on a kind of admin kind of basis in terms of business, he would have absolutely done that. And even when I was like my entry point in in the scene. I had an alter ego and it was greed. It was generating rhymes Ooh. to engage the enlightened souls. Like, what? Go out with your bad self. This is what you're going to be doing. Vibes. Vibes. <laughs> so I was just like, all right, there's something in the alter ego that gives you space, right? And, um, but there's also something, there was a journey in that alter ego as well when it came up to me, like, releasing my first book I was just like what do I want to how do I want to enter this it's almost like the alter ego gave me the permission to read to to realize a full sense of self in order to go forward so when I published my first book it wasn't under my alter ego it was my full name um and I wonder if there's a similar thing in relation to you right now in terms of PA Bytes and where you think PA Bytes is going to be going forward so I think it's two questions I want to ask one, what space, you touched on it already, but do you mind just t- talking about that alter ego side, the room it provides? And two, um, do you think at some point it will transition and you kind of wave a farewell to PA Bytes? Oh. Oh, that's intentional. You asked some good questions. I'm just starting. Rah. What do you mean? We and you're just starting. You know? This is like a therapy session. <laughs> Cool. Let's see. <laughs> well, it has, PA Bytes has given me a lot of permission to write about things that sometimes I feel nervous to write about as a black woman. Interesting. Like, yeah. I don't want to come across as angry, but I have a lot to be angry about. Mm. I have, I have, I have generations of stuff to be angry about, historically, stuff to be angry about. And sometimes, like, showing up as Princess Ari, it feels hard to say those things. Mm. Whereas I can say them honestly and and in the most interesting and engaging way as PA Bytes at the moment, because I'm I'm five years into my career um, and it only really started to, that momentum only started to come after I won BBC Words first. Mm. And that was under my alter ego PA Bytes. And it was, it was after a few years of experiencing a lot of like colorism, racism, sexualization at school, loads of things mm. that happened to me growing up that Princess didn't know how to navigate and Princess felt really, well, I felt that the regular me felt really um, confused about and felt really ambivalent about a lot of the things I was I was writing about. Yeah. And sometimes when you, the emotion is so hot and it's pure anger, then it's hard to show up as yourself and write about it because mm. writing is an inherently vulnerable process. Like any good writing is vulnerable. Um, and even if it doesn't explore you exactly, you're talking about the subject in a really vulnerable way. That's what makes people stop and read or stop and listen. So for me to show up as myself, it just felt a bit too, it felt too close because it was it was already a close subject matter for me. But it's like Beyonce with Sasha Fierce, like she can be her most liberated self as Sasha Fierce and that's the person you see on stage but it's still Beyonce and that's how I feel about not to compare myself to the Beyonce (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) but um that's how like I'm able to embody that like femme fatale I'm out here to like collect the souls collect like I'm trying to convince people to be loving every time I perform like how can you show up as your most loving self how can you show up as the type of person who cares about everyone's liberation because if the black man over there isn't liberated I'm not liberated and if the Palestinian isn't liberated I'm not liberated and I can I can show up like that and be my most honest self as P bites when it comes to writing because princess Ari would be like you can't say that Ari you can't say that princess you can't say that whereas P bites would be like nah say it all and I did that even I was recently at Grooverse and I, I won that 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 jazz slash music slam poetry slash music slam and I feel like it just happened because I literally let myself be liberated and honest and I just showed up as like my full self I have my music persona which is just bites and that's gonna probably stay that way um unless I have a moment where they're away like snoop lion and they come back I don't know it's possible 
madness. Do you remember that was that was also there? <laughs> it's a bit of a madness, no deep it. So sleep lying. So I feel like I can't really say what future Ari is gonna do, future princess is gonna do. But I feel like when it comes to publishing books, I'm trying to imagine PA bytes or using my full name. And I feel like I'm I'm kind of veering more towards using my full name. I had a conversation with a taxi driver once and, I, and he was like, I like your name, but don't you feel like it's just a bit, it doesn't sound that professional. And that hit me. I was like, professional. And then I never even like considered what like professionalism means. I'm just like, yo, if the work is good, the work is good. And I don't really, PA Bytes is really a self-protection mechanism. It's not really a branding thing. It's just, oh, people have said that it's a cool brand, but that has, that wasn't on purpose. That's more so certain people's opinions and people can have different opinions that oh it's not professional oh this is really cool and edgy so whereas really it's just really my initials and it lets me hide and there's even a long history with women doing that where they'll just put their initials because if they knew it was a woman they wouldn't read the book or they'd have a completely different pen name so I feel like I'm in that tradition but for the future I don't know like I am working on a book currently and it and it hush hush it has won a major award so that'll be coming out soon um and i'm hoping that when that book is published i'll have the confidence to put my full name on it yeah and i suppose in relation to that confidence it took me a while on that journey and i think that's the beauty of just giving time and not necessarily rushing it because i think you will reach that point and you know i think there's something in that in that that you just know that all right cool this is now the time to step into this different light and 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 you take all of those vulnerabilities and everything into play. And on that note, um, I would like to lean into the poems, the poems, the poems. And at what point did you start writing poetry? And why did you start writing poetry? Ooh. Yeah, I feel like... When it comes to like the why, the why is something that I'm still grappling with today because it's a, it's like the subject I approach but never really approach, right? I read a quote somewhere and writers, it was like that writers are always trying to say the same thing but in the best way, but they, they feel like they're never reaching that. And that's why a lot of writers have the same subjects and topic matters that keep subject matters that keep coming up. Mm. For me, the why was, I was so, when I was a kid, I was really existential. Um, I literally remember when I was six years old, asking my mom, like, why do we exist? And my mom just looking at me like, girl, (laughs) why do you have to be a problem child? I'm just trying to have breakfast and you're coming at me these questions. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Literally. And when I was nine years old, my father unfortunately passed away. Um, And that had like a deep, that left a deep impression on my psyche. And that was also like the age that I really found out. Like I really understood what sickle cell was and what that meant for me. And like the expectations of having to take medication and all these things that was kind of frustrated on me. And I I didn't really feel like I could be a kid anymore because I I came to the point of like knowing that, yeah, death is a thing. People I love will die and you have a condition and so will you one day. Mm. (laughs) And it was just like, oh, this is a lot to process um but I was I was really introspective as a kid and I just loved reading and and any good reader will eventually like just try to write even if it's just for the bands even if it's never for a career just like oh can I write a short story can I write a poem can I write a anything like um so that kind of is how it 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 happened for me I was kind of I was experiencing this all this pain and like emotional conflict and I, and then I searched for books for information essentially to feel like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. My pain isn't unprecedented as James Baldwin would say, like you read books and then you realize, okay, cool. My pain isn't unprecedented. There's other people who experienced pain and sorrow and, and happiness and joy and excitement and like that lust for life. And I would say I have a big lust for life. So, and writing is a creative process. So the why is kind of like me trying to live past like, all the like ambiguities of life. Like if I can create something that lives, that people can enjoy, that leaves an imprint, even if it's just a while, then 
I'm I'm really alive and I'm I'm I don't have to worry about like the inevitabilities of life, which is death, which is a really morbid thing to say, but that's that's the why. And then and I guess also the how, because reading is what really got my writing to be good. And then I like I really loved English as a kid. That was my favorite subject at school. English and history, because I was like, with the history, I used to like Google, like, is this true? And then I would find out, like, I was really getting a specific type of history. And then I'd call my history teacher on it, so <laughs> call them out. Yeah, so there was a lot of teachers that didn't like me in school because I was the extra one that would be like, mm, but is that right though? But mm, I read this. So I guess reading is what inspired me to write, like, what I was reading in history, what I was finding out. And English, I just love stories. Like, I'm a big storyteller and I'm obsessed with stories. And I feel like as a Nigerian, storytelling is also really important to our culture and the way we navigate the world. So whether that's through music or through the arts or poetry, it's all really the same. Um, your entry point I'm really interested in, in terms of... Um, and your entry point could have been like, I don't know, music, or it could, have be, it could be a poem that you read or something along those lines, but do you remember specifically when, when literature was like um this is cool yeah like I was in I think when I realized I wanted to be right I was in year seven so I was about 11 I'm correct 11 or 12 I think 11 and um we were reading about uh what's his name Wilfred Owen Mm. we were reading Wilfred Owen and the war poems and I just loved how honest his poem was you know the belt bent over double um, poem about like blindness and seeing his friends die and mm. realizing war isn't even vaguely honorable. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. Cause I feel like we're really taught even till today to be super patriotic. And I've never been patriotic of anywhere. Like I'm just me. I don't really see myself as super, super British or super Nigerian or super Jamaican. Those are part of my identity, but I don't like, it doesn't resonate with me to be like super patriotic. So it's wild to me when I was sitting in class being like, oh, people died for this. The idea of patriotism for the idea of their country, a country that wouldn't die for them. So like the concept of that country. So I was just like, wow. And I love the way he wrote about honestly in a time where honesty wasn't really respected. It was more so your obligation to your country. So that was inspiring to me. And the way how visceral the poem was, it kind of, there was surreal aspects, but that it was really like situated in realism. And I kind of liked that, like the way he used language, the way he manipulated language to really explore what he wanted to say. And I was also trying to imagine being in the trenches, like not the metaphorical trenches, but the trenches. The trenches, yeah. (laughs) The trenches and writing poetry. And that was just so powerful to me that you could be in such a like physically dangerous moment and you're like, no, no, I need to like, come back to myself and explore my internal world mm. and how I'm actually feeling in my interior, which is weird when your exterior is falling apart. So that inspired me because I was like, oh, my exterior kind of feels like it's falling apart. Mm. Let me go into my interior and see what gems I can find there and see if there's any there's any joy or like any positive things I can find there. And I found so much positivity from that lesson. I started to write so many poems, <laughs> showed my teacher like, I think like a, a, a Microsoft document about 20 of my poems that I thought were not too terrible. Mm. And she literally, she sat me down and she was like, you're going to be a famous writer one day. Just believe in yourself. These mm. poems are spectacular. I can't believe you can even write. Like she was very surprised and confused and I brought them to her. Um, and that was like the kick up the backside. I needed to be like, Oh, maybe I could be good at this one day. And I actually wrote my first book when I was 16, self published wow. it. And it went viral on Tumblr um, and like adults were buying it. I was getting reviews and I was actually confused. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so it was kind of like that one teacher to believe in, believe in me when I was 11 made me write a book at 16 and it actually went viral on Tumblr and, and on Insta, some of the DJs. So I was like, that's wild. Um, yeah. I was um, going viral at 16, writing your own book. That's wild. But that's, anyway, anyway I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, well, yeah, 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 I'm going to get into that in a bit. Um, so I was filling out this document yesterday and there always comes this part of the, of the document when it comes to um, country and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And so I, 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 I 
a right Nigerian, knowing that right next to me, just that full-on British passport or whatever it is, and I write that in there. And it just made me think about just my landscape, the dualities and the multiple kind of identities that I occupy, right? And this wasn't even something I even thought of asking, but I think the more I'm hearing, the more I'm really intrigued and I would like to uh, and I would like just to talk on this for a bit because with you there's a Nigerian side, there's a Jamaican side, black woman, black British for the most part, generationally as well, like where you might kind of hold yourself in, in the generational kind of culture of of young writers and with the fire and the energy that I am even envious of to a certain degree because I'm like, what? I like around, say, like you at 16, for example, I would have loved to kind of kick into gear with that energy to write a book and be bossy and be like, this is how I'm stepping into the world. There are multiple identities that you're working with on a daily basis. Um, can we talk on that in terms of identity and how you kind of hold yourself and like, as soon as you walk out of that door, um, how do you navigate the, the, the multiple kind of spaces that you that you occupy? I feel like I'm really proud of my humanness and like how many cultures are within me because it allows me to truly appreciate other cultures. Like, mm. like actually go to a Turkish restaurant, eat authentic Turkish food and be like, wow, this culture is amazing. Or yeah. listen to like, Arabic music and be like, wow, this culture is amazing. Like, there's so many. I feel like when you when you've only been situated in your own culture and you've never like, and you don't you don't have multiple cultures in your family, like like for me, Jamaican and Nigerian, and even within my Nigerian culture, my mom and dad are just two different tribes. So my mm. dad, my mom is Edo and my dad is Yoruba. So and my mom, because she's a nurse, she moved to Jamaica. I was actually an accident baby, so she didn't know that she was pregnant when she moved, mm. got there and had me. So, and that's where the Jamaican side comes in. I have like chosen family. Um, my mum met a woman there that I, I used, I called my grandma. Um, and she was from Saint Kids, so like a Caribbean country next to Jamaica. So it's like all these cultures and she came to the UK with us and used to take care of me up until I was like eight. So mm. it's all these mixing of cultures. So I can have a deep, I have a deep appreciation of like other cultures and my own cultures. And it just leaves you so open to the human experience. Like I'm excited to be surprised. I'm excited to like find out new things about people. And then it just gives my writing this vitality because it's yeah. not just me exploring the experience of being black British, but it's me exploring the experience of being Nigerian and Jamaican situated in the British context. Yeah. Um, and that's what I feel like makes the writing interesting. Like when I'm reading like Wasan Shere's poems, I like that like it is situated in the black British context, but also the Somalian context. Mm -hmm. And that like the tension between those worlds as well mm -hmm. is where like the interesting work is found. Um, and in a lot of my poems, like I'll, there's a lot of people that inspire me that are from other cultures, like Patrice Lumumba. And he's he was a Congolese activist. And I shout him out, shout him out in one of my poems, Dreptomania. Um, and just like different cultures like that. And like, I'm interested in Picasso. He was heavily inspired by West African culture. I'm inspired by Foucault, um, the philosopher. Um, and it's just like, I'm just interested in people like and I feel mm. like it's important to be interested in people and not just interested in yourself and when you have multiple cultures or you have a family who's traveled to multiple places that's gonna like be very apparent in the writing which I think is important and I love that about your work as well um, thank you you're welcome you're, you're a very <laughs> great writer thank you thank you oh oh had me a bit quiet for a minute <laughs> I appreciate it um a significant moment of yours in that you're proud of, and I ask everyone this in this conversation. Um, there might be some, there might be some really difficult points or some low points, but but there is this one moment that you always think to that kind of that kind of gets your head above water and 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 makes you breathe easier in terms of just how you go forward. Um, what's that moment for you? 
I just, feel like... Yeah, yeah. What's that moment? Yeah, a point in your career. Yeah, yeah. It just can be any moment, but what's that moment for you? I feel like it was like when... Can I say two? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so the first one was like... And then it's connected to the second one. That's what I want to say too. The, the, the first one is when I became a finalist of BBC Words First. Because mm. that was like the first time I felt truly like, okay, I can call myself a writer and a performer. And like... The imposter syndrome is still there, but it's not mm. to a mad amount that I feel like I'm lying. Mm. Whereas before, like, even though I published a book and, like, I had, did a few competitions here and there, like Slam Ambassadors and all that type of thing, and it went well, I I didn't feel like I could legitimately call myself a writer because in my head, writers were, like, white and they were male and they, they were, like, middle class. Mm. And they had an education that I didn't have. So I felt like I was lying to call myself a writer. But when, like, I had, like, the, I hate saying that because it's validation, but the affirmation mm-hmm. of, like, of BBC and, like, multiple other writers who had to judge my poem, it just felt so affirming. Especially when you've, when you've had a voice, but no one ever listened to it. Mm. Having someone listen to it is just like, <sighs> okay, well, I'm actually a person. Mm. That sounds so sad to say, but if no one ever affirms you, sometimes it's hard to believe you exist. If you're being honest, you need to be seen. And I felt actually seen. And and I was being honest in that poem. Call me Samba with a cigar, the daughter who eats Jim Crow for dinner, the slave who slays the slaver. This is ancestral anger. This is hunger. This is sea-splitting rage. Mm -hmm. And to actually be listened to when I was in that poem, I was low-key going in on colonialism. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It felt affirming in a country that has benefited vastly from colonialism. And for BBC to co-sign that I was like really like mm. <laughs> so mm. that was really affirming in my career and I was like wow I can do this um as I could actually be a writer wild um and then connected to that I had a long period of time where I was having like deep self-esteem issues with my writing and not even wanting to be seen and having like an issue with being perceived like the concept that oh we, when we show up in the world we're perceived ill I still hate that as a concept <laughs> like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's the me and then there's the me you're perceiving and those don't always resonate so like I'll connect. So uh, that had a big effect on my writing. I didn't know what, how I wanted to write. I didn't know who I was for a bit. And I was just having a lot of tension between who I was and the things I wanted to say. Yeah. So it took me a while to like fix that. And then when I did, I was like, okay, I have something to say. Let me do a slam. So I did the UNESCO slam vision and I won the Manchester heat, which was cool. So I got to represent Manchester in... Awesome that international poetry competition, slam competition. And that was affirming that like, I actually won the Manchester Heat. Cause I was like, <sighs> I was, I was in the trenches. I was in the emotional trenches during that period. Didn't know what to write. And it wasn't even like writer's block. It was more so not believing I had anything important to say, or I didn't know I could like write it in the way that would be, that I would be proud of, that, I, yeah. that would be pleasing to me. So to, I feel like, I hate that both of them are, are connected to affirmation because I am trying to get to a point as a writer where I don't need to be validated, that people can hate the work and I'll still resonate with it. Um, but I feel like as writers, that's something, that's a tension that we have to live with forever, you know me? Like, I don't feel like it's something that is going to immediately decrease. I feel like that's something I'm going to have to work at and hopefully when I reach, like, my 40s and 50s, I can, like, look at my work and be like, oh. I had some cool things to say and I don't mind if people don't like it. <laughs> you think, so, I, I feel like you're going to be saying more than that. Don't try it. Like, I feel it's going to be just... just <laughs> why you tried it oh, for? Oh, uh, uh, So, not everyone gets to be part of a collective. And this is mm. the only part of Young Identity that I would like to discuss with you. Um, not everyone, I, I, I didn't know what... Like, I had no... I've never been part of like a collective, do you know what I mean? And I've, it's one of those ones where I've kind of looked from afar and been like, do you know what I mean? Like I've had a, like bouts of just like wanting to be part of a, 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 a family, so to speak, that sit together, write together, perform together. Something like this is something that I've always wanted in my, in my earlier years of kind of kicking off in the scene. Um, what is it like to be a member of Young Identity? Like, I'm, I'm, and I'm not even asking that from like a, a duh way, like in terms of this is what the collective is. But I think, 
I, I would like to just know a bit more of a, I feel like there's like a spiritual connection to these things. I feel like there's something that 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 holds you in a space where we can have some raw conversations because everyone's human beings in there. Not everyone's going to agree to the same thing, but we have to find a middle ground and we have to make this work as a team. What what is that process like for people who don't ha- who are thinking of joining collectives, who have never been part of a collective? And for people who are currently in collectives. So it's almost like there's three different ways to look at this. And I'm not sure where is best to start. I'll try to explore all all of it. Um, Thank you. I adore Young Identity. I adore Shirley. And I feel like with families, just like in regular families, there's tension and you don't always agree. It's the same as with it in collectives. Mm. And I feel like what's really special about collectives is it, it makes you show up as a different side of yourself when you have to bounce ideas off people and people like will bring out parts of yourself you didn't even know existed. There's some conversations I've had at Young Identity where it's inspired me so much that I've written like two, three poems in a session and then four or five at home. (laughs) Like like, the writers are so intelligent, are so kind and loving and they have really important things to say. Some of my contemporaries have some of the softest hearts I know. Like for example, Sa. Hats off to Saf. He's such a lovely spirit. Like tight, Saf. He's so lovely. Like, I just, nah, he's just good vibes. Like, I'll just chat to him and we'll just be creasing. He's just good vibes. And he just inspires me with, like, his energy, his vitality, like, his his love for his country and blackness and and really, like, showing up, showing up as his, like, more, most authentic self in his writing. That inspires me. Like, there's so many writers that Young Editor inspire me. Shirley inspires me. Like, she's always shown up as her most authentic self and written things in a unique and interesting way. And I just love the way she writes about her family with such, just, like, such an honour and, like, love, like... And it pours out of her writing. Mm. And I'm trying to get to that point where I can write more about my family. Not just the sad moments, but also, like, the beautiful moments I have with my family and how how strong and amazing and interested and layered my mother is because she's a very interesting character and writing about that more because I'm really inspired and I really admire the way Shirley writes about her family and like like femininity and what it means to to kind of exist in domestic spaces Mm. so that's really inspiring to me I have a friend Joan as well who was a part of the inner voice section of Young Identity because there's been iterations. And if you want to join a collective, you have to realise that like you're coming into a context that that probably already existed before you. So there's going to be history. There's going to be stories. There's going to be drama. There's going to be key-keying. Excuse Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. That you won't fully know the like you might not fully know the inside jokes but you'll you'll come to develop your own inside jokes mm-hmm. jokes in the collective and your own relationship with the collective so if you're thinking of joining a collective i would say do it because it's going to make your writing better there were times especially early on in my career where shelly sat me down and she's like what is your poem trying to say yeah. what are this what's the sentiment you're trying to bring out like what do you want the audience to feel these aren't questions i was really um what's the word i wasn't like consciously asking them to myself until someone called me out on it like babes what's the intention and once you can have that dialogue with someone about what's the intention you can really intimately navigate your work and pick it apart and then re-put it together in a way that's even more interesting and beautiful so yes join a collective because they'll call you out on your bs Uh -uh. they'll make you better you'll call them out on their bs too so it'll be like a mutual growing together if you're already in a collective and you're like, okay, how can I make the most out of this? I would say, say yes, 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 and yes. Mm. If there's opportunities that interest into you, say yes or put yourself forward for it. I am known as a yes girl, not in terms of like, you can do anything to me or like, I'm always going to agree with what you say. But in terms of opportunities, I love saying yes. If it seems interesting to me, I'm going to do it. Even if my schedule is starting to look a bit too intense, Mm-mm. I'm that person that will still do it because it makes me feel alive to perform and to write especially with other talented writers and to big up other writers as well. I have a really talented friend who's like, he he's a writer, but he's also an actor, Faz, and he's amazing as well. And obviously, like I'll say, my friend Joan, who started with Inner Voice, she's amazing and she inspires me. Like, she's the greatest, one of the greatest mums I know. She's just so lovely and her writing is so beautiful. 
Um, and I feel like everyone comes into the space of like a writing collective with a different context, with different like relationships to what writing means. Mm. So when I first joined, I was a bit anxious to read out my work in the first session. So I really employ poets who are in collectives for your first session or this, or like early on sessions, just read, get out of the way, get the fair out of the way. Because then if you do read, you'll read again and then you'll read again and then your writing will improve. I think, um, that's really helpful for one. And, 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 and it's, ins- and it's inspiring to hear you just talk about the feeling from it. And I think for me, one of my, um, <laughs> Ah, one of my my thoughts was in terms of the collective, you know, like with MCs, like when MCs, couple of MCs get on a get on a stage and they start doing, dun, 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 and then their boys just kind of back them, ending up the lyrics, just finishing off the lyrics, and they just yeah. know each other's bars. Yeah. And I've always wanted something similar to that in terms of just like I have a I have my my friend who's also a poet and we write poems together, and. I know all of your lines and you know all of my lines. Like I'm 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 on the stage reeling off this poem and I'm a friend or a couple of people in the audience and they know each line to the poem and they back me and it's sick. And I'm like, I love the idea of of what that comprises of in terms of like a collective and, and a poetry collective. And that's one of the things that always excited me, the thoughts of it. But at the same time, one of my fears is, oh my God, I just don't want to sound the same as everyone else. <laughs> and I feel like, because there's like, I've always sensed that there could be, there could be this thing where everyone's writing together. Everyone's kind of reading together. Facts, In facts. a sly way, you won't recognize the fact that you might be sounding like, like each other in this really interesting way. And that's one of the things that's always, um, that's always around with me. But then I hear Saf. I hear Shirley, I hear Reese, like I hear you and like, you know, I hear Isaiah and like everyone sounds different. This is their voice. That you see what I mean? And there must be something that you're just like, all right, cool. We might be writing together. There ain't no way I'm trying to sound like you. There ain't no way I'm trying to sound like you. This is the kind of season and I'm putting in my voice, in my poems. And this is how I'm going forward. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think... I've avoided that and a lot of writers have avoided that by just realizing that we all have different tastes. We yeah. can appreciate the way another writer writes without having to incorporate that into the way we write. Or you can incorporate some aspects like, oh, I really like how Saf uses rhyme or I really like how so-and-so uses imagery as like mm-hmm. a push point. But that doesn't mean you use similar imagery to them. You just mm. try to push your pen in that way. Mm. Do you get me? So yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, a lot of the writers I like are either really popular or really obscure. Mm. So I kind of like, I'm, it's easier for me to like not sound like other people because I'm reading, I'm reading Arabic writers. I'm reading Turkish writers. I'm reading activist writers. I'm reading writers who only explore pretty much nature, like mm. Mary Oliver and like Lewis Cl- Louise Cluck. So like I'm mixing and matching so intensely. Watson Shere. Um, Audrey Lord, um, Nikki Giovanni. So then it's kind of impossible when you're when you're bringing it from so many different sources, and you're not just saying where I'm, I'm only going to read Mancunian writers because I want to be the best Mancunian poet. Then you're not you're not going to go past that. Then yeah. you might only be interested interesting in Manchester. People might only see you as relevant at Manchester. But if you're bringing so many different cultures together, and you are generally interested in other cultures rather than just your own perspective, then your writing will be enriched by that. So um, like, yeah. You are, you're, listen, you're talk like you, you mentioned that you, you're five years in, right? But the way you're talking is like you've been there for 19, right? And it's like, it's, 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 there's such a, you, you speak from such a space of experience and thought and process. And I'm think and, and consider Princess Ari, yeah? Consider even, I think even before, the PA bites kind of kicked into gear. Um, if there was a piece of advice that you could give to your younger self, what would it? What would it be? I would say oh, it's such a cliche one. It's the <laughs> mo- I think it's actually the most cliche one, but it's actually don't give up. Like 
every time I was about to give up, I really believe in divinity. I believe in the universe. I believe in God. Mm. Um, I would say I'm a liberal Christian because I'm very liberal. I won't lie. But spiritual, spirituality and divinity is so important to my practice and, and how I navigate the world. And I would say don't give up. The universe is going to throw you a bone. <laughs> like, don't, don't. There's going to be people. Because there was... I had prayers where I was like, oh, Lord, I just need a mentor. I just need to know I'm not in this writing game alone because being a writer is such a solitary emo experience. Mm-hmm. Like we're literally either we're sitting in our room alone by a desk or we're writing our notebook alone. And it's just like, rah, this is actually really lonely. Mm-hmm. So to find a mentor, to find a collective um, that appreciated my authentic voice and how unique I sounded and that was allowed to grow and be fermented and to be watered was exactly what I needed. So I would say, wait, you're going to find a mentor. Wait, you're going to find a collective. Wait, one day you will have friends that are also writers and musicians. Because mm. um, there was a there was a stage in my life where I was like, what am I going to do? Like, Especially because I did an English literature degree when I went to uni. And it was, it was the end of my first year where the BBC was, this thing happened. So when I, at the beginning of first year, I was like, what am I going to do with an English degree? Like, I was scared. <laughs> I'm yeah, not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I was deep in it and it was stressing me out. And I was like, yo, should I just give up on this creativity thing? And I was thinking, what could I do instead? Like, I love music. I love lyrics. I love writing poems. Um, and I didn't even, I, I wasn't working towards being a novelist or anything. So I was like, I wasn't even choosing the part of being a writer that seemed the most viable. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, let me go for the obscure. And I was like, so it was stressing me out. So, but I would just say everything that's meant to be will be what is yours. What is meant for you will be yours. So just keep that true belief that the universe will put you in the right places at the right time with people that will be open to your experience and your artistry. And that would have made me a lot less anxious. If I knew that I would be on stages with Dele Sissimi, an amazing musician in his own right, and the keyboardist for Fella Cutie, performing music singing and writing poetry and performing that poetry I, I would have been worried in, yeah, in yeah, uni yeah, 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 yeah. if I knew I was going to be on the stage stages as Yomi Sunday I wouldn't have been worried in uni <laughs> I wouldn't have been worried in uni but I was scared like I was scared like <laughs> so I would say to any writers that like what am I doing where am I going what is even happening like who am I because those are the questions that you're going to be asked like asking yeah, yourself yeah. as a creative I would say it is fine if you're here if you're alive you have possibilities um, poem. Would you mind sharing a poem with us, please? Yes. Okay, so this poem is called Thunder Music. God carves the cosmos. Eons bound into an animate manuscript. The beginning and its conclusion jolt the same. Like Luna pregnant and bleeding the black clotted sky. At the window of my mother's car, moon stalks the darkness I can't name. Evening longing maims my heart. The same dream where I am running towards my father only to end up snubbing his arms for disco lights and open curtains, a clapping audience. We're all fountains of emotions, wanting someone to drink us so we can be quenched. I ran into you like a drunk driver to a pram or a plump baby eaten by a bomb, a circus in flames. Charm is often narcissism. I watched you ask in the world for a buzz while inhaling a puff of crack. Memory is having a post-mortem for love as lasted for months on life support. Both of us on autopilot, like the city busker strumming Bjork's quiet with no pennies in his cup, only happy when dream paused in clandestine dawn. You etched my initials into your left arm after our first wildfire. Used my tears to wash the wounds, your penned tattoo. Every time you dismembered me, you called my entrails beautiful, like a painting of a nude angel. The sunset playing, Comte and Don Ostre Ete, as heart bents one circle, the deep navel of the earth's core. We were born into brilliant noise. Sometimes thunder is music. Often disasters shake us alive, like the tornado kiss that leaves a whole district destroyed. We clutch our kids, start from soil to cultivate a new life, hold on to the small but significant moments of choice, dance in the thunder, find bliss in bass music, thunder music. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you, you, you're a filmmaker, you're a singer, you're a songwriter, poet. Um, for me, I, I, I kind of feel like poetry is this, is a, is a, is a, is this foundation, right? And then it kind of grows through whatever different kind of medium you want to go into. Yeah. And, but that's me. Um, people might just kind of say like, no, when I make films, I make films. Do you see what I mean? Or if I'm, if I'm making music, I'm making music. That's it. I would agree with you. But do you see what I mean? I just want to, I'm really interested in how or whether you use, you utilize, you know, poetry in this resource, in this way that kind of feeds into these different areas of your, of your work and how much of it does feed into. Because the idea of like in filmmaking, you're looking at something with a poetic lens. (laughs) <laughs> do you see what I mean it's, it's, nah, you get it sounds it. wild but it's like kind of like you know yeah. what, do you see what I mean like how does that films of visual work? poetry films of visual mm. poetry I would say like every image you want to you want to be showing not telling just like in a poem mm. so when I when I'm making films I'm trying to create visual poetry I'm trying to create a collection of images that make an audience feel and not just think but actually feel things which is a very poetic way to look at the world. When I'm writing songs, it's the same way. Like I want the instrument or the music to match with the lyrics. I want, when I'm, when I'm singing a certain note, I want that note to portray how I'm feeling. Like, and it, and that's just a vocalization, but you can tell from the vocalization that in this moment I'm in pain on this moment, I'm so excited. Um, or I'm hitting that high note to show, okay, this is a happy moment. Do you get me? Like everything, every every choice is intentional, just like in a poem. Yeah. And um, even the mistakes kind of feed into the beauty of the overall work. So there's been sometimes even in music where I've made a mistake at first and I've kept it in like, oh, that actually sounds good. Like, <laughs> so it was originally not meant to be there. And it's the same with a poem. Sometimes you might have like a half rhyme that you didn't even clock you did. And then you realize it kind of like, opened up the poem in a different way and made it say a different thing so I definitely would say my first medium is poetry and that feeds into my music which feeds into my filmmaking and even with filmmaking I'm very intentional with the music I choose with the lighting with the cuts with how it pans like everything is a choice and even I try to write even my poems in quite a cinematic way mm. talking about windows this like the area of the the room I'm in the way the moon lights up my face or like what's interesting in that scene like I write in a cinematic way and I try to make cinematic-ish music like that's kind of my that's like my niche what makes me excited like the idea of creating visuals in someone's mind yeah. Um, and when I'm making just visuals, like film, films, I want to make them feel something like how I would in poetry. So I would say they all feed into each other. And now I'm even moving a bit into the live performance art space because I'm obsessed with Marina Abramovich. And I'm actually creating a live performance art piece, Portraits of a Poet, which should be taking place at the Whitworth. So um, later this year. So I would say it all feeds into everything. Like the poetry is what illuminates all my art. Um, Because it helps me look at the the world in a way where I'm trying to pay attention. Poetry makes you pay attention. So that's how I'm trying to do it in my films and my music. Um, What are you listening to and reading right now? I am obsessed with Sudan Archives. So she's a a musician who mixes... She plays the violin and she'll literally rap with the violin. Mm. And she also sings like kind of Irish folk music and she's a black woman, a black American woman, obsessed. Like I went to her <laughs> concert at, um, at Band on the Wall last year, November, and I was just like, yes, God is good. Like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I don't even see this woman. So I'm obsessed with Sudan Archives. I like the Marias. I love um, the Gorillas. Mm. I love, I'm really interested in trip hop at the moment. So I like Massive Attack as well. Um, I love jazz music, so Ella Fitzgerald and Nina Simone. 
And I love No Name rapper. I would recommend her. Her bars are just wild. So those are the musicians I'm listening to at the moment. In terms of like what I'm reading, I'm reading Mary Oliver's uh, American, is it American Savage or American Citizen? Where it's just like a series of poems exploring the American experience for nature. I love Mary Oliver. Louise Cluck's Avernal, amazing mm. poetry. Um, Audrey, uh, Audrey Lord's collected poems. I'm reading that at the moment. Um, yeah, those are the poems I would say I'm reading at the moment. Also books. Um, Mary Gatskill. In, um, this is a short story book of poems and dreams. The Devil's Treasure. It's mm. a bright red book. <laughs> and it's really surreal and just beautiful. Um, I'm, I shouldn't judge books by its cover, but when I see like an odd looking book that's like bright red or like another great book, Yoko Ono's Grapefruit, I recommend it. <laughs> that's yellow. So yeah, that, I'll just stop bombarding y'all with books. But if you want short stories, Mary Gatskill. If you want um, like poetic instructions slash conceptual art, Grapefruit by Yoko Ono any Mary Oliver book, any Louise Cluck book. They're amazing. Yeah. Audrey Lord as well. It's been, um, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure speaking with you. Uh, like I've been looking forward to this for a minute and, and, oh. and it just kind of, yeah, just kind of, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is exactly what I expected and more. And I'm very, very thankful. And I look forward to reading alongside you. And should I be hosting you, I am definitely Definitely getting the name a hundred percent right, going for <laughs> I don't need that blasting on stage again in my life. I'm so sorry, Omi. Ever. I love this I conversation need, with you as well. I I'm don't sorry. Need it. So trust PA me. PA bikes came out too much that day. I was trust, like, girl, reel it back. <laughs> trust me. That that I look forward to the preamble even before I get to that. Oh, that is jokes. Thank You're you such vibes. So Thank so, you. so 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 much. Take Thank care. you for having me. No. Thank you. Oh, no. Thank you for listening to Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shode, and I hope you have enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black British poets and creatives. Thank you to our audio producer, Drew Hawley, at the Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to applesandsnakes.org and follow at Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you are hearing, please, please subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.